The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. The Writer Files is brought to you by Studio Press, the industry standard for premium WordPress themes and plugins. Built on the Genesis framework, Studio Press delivers state-of-the-art SEO tools, beautiful and fully responsive design, airtight security, instant updates, and much more. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 177,000 website owners trust Studio Press. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress right now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. These are the writer files. A tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Cal Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. New York Magazine's Ask Polly advice columnist, Heather Haverleski, stopped by the show to chat with me about her process and the many hats she's worn over her 20-year career as a critic, cartoonist, columnist, and essayist. The author's new book, How to Be a Person in the World, Ask Polly's Guide Through the Paradoxes of Modern Life, is a collection inspired by her popular advice column. Best-selling author and comedian Patton Oswalt said about the author, a rare writer who can dish out tangy snark but never fails to aim the knife back at her own damaged, hilarious heart. And he called the book Required Reading. In addition to her bestseller list column for Book Forum, Heather's the author of the memoir Disaster Preparedness and was Salon.com's TV critic for seven years. Her writing has appeared in The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, The LA Times, Slate, The All, NPR's All Things Considered, and several anthologies. Join us for this two-part interview, and if you're a fan of the show, please click the subscribe button to automatically see new interviews with your favorite authors and help other writers to find us. In part two of the file, Heather and I discuss the author's old school suspicion of the cloud, a comparison of Microsoft Word versus Scrivener, why social media can help with a writer's solitude, the upside of procrastination, how to harness the power of the editing process, why hopelessness can lead to great writing, and how your greatest weakness can become your greatest strength. Well, if you want to keep going, I would love to pick your brain about your workflow a little bit. Sure. 
what? I'm sure uh, I talked too long about something else that you'll have to cut. So we should probably have a few <laughs> extra things in here. Oh, it's all good stuff. Yeah, let's dig into your workflow. Um, what, uh, what hardware do you work on? I have a feeling you're a Mac person. Yes, I have a MacBook Air, um, which I love. It's very light. And uh, my husband got one first, and I was like very skeptical. Like, that just seems too flimsy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the hard drives that come with it are kind of small. You have to make sure you get the bigger one because otherwise you have to do, you know, whatever. I, I'm a little suspicious of the cloud. Um, <laughs> but maybe that's just old person talk. Um, but yeah, I really love this, this uh, laptop a lot. It's great. It's the greatest. Um, and what uh, software do you find yourself using the most for your, for your words and your kind of general workflow? Um, I write in uh, Word, Microsoft Word. Yeah. Also, also probably seemingly old school. Um, <laughs> I don't really like uh, Google Docs. You know, I guess Google owns everything you write in Google Docs. They own the copyright to it. Mm-hmm. I've read this. It seems hard to believe, but um, yeah, I don't like that stuff. I like Microsoft Word and, you know... Um, I will usually just copy it in simple text and copy it into an email if I'm sending it to an editor and mm-hmm. then attach it. And, um, I don't know. I, yeah, that's, that's all, that's all I have to say about that. Microsoft word. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, it's a pr- pretty traditional and, uh, powerful publishing desktop publishing tool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those tried and true things that, that I think a lot of, uh, traditional authors use, traditional publishers yeah, and, use. And as far as um, organizational tools, I don't, I don't use any, and I should. I, I, people have told me about different things where uh, you can organize a whole book in a certain kind of app. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of crazy... Uh, Scrivener. Yeah, Scrivener. That sounds pretty great, but I'm afraid of things like that because there's, you know, I just, it's like I've been using the same thing for, you know, for forever since yeah. I was like a teenager practically. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I heard that's good. I'm not very organized. It's interesting because <laughs> it seems like there's really two camps now or or <clears throat> definitively close to the the Microsoft Word camp and the Scrivener camp now, which, you know, it has all these built in organizational things. And as you mentioned, you know, kind of help you organize your chapters and pin notes and do all these things. And with that camp, it's like, you know, there's, they're like, Oh, they swear by it. It's like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what I would have ever done without it. And then the, then the traditional camp's like, well, I just don't have the time. Like I'm just writing. I don't have the time to learn all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. like, just let me write. <laughs> well, you know, I can see if you were doing like a pretty complicated book, it, you know, it is, it is really hard if you're working in word to understand where you are in a document really easily. Yeah. And it, it kind of sounds like Scrivener's a little bit more, um, the pieces are kind of more apparent. I'm yeah. kind of a mess. I, th- I feel like maybe someone showed it to me. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the length and the, you know, the how co- intricate what you're working on is. I, mean, I don't work on intricate things that often, so right. I, don't, I only need my blunt tools probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other 
point to add about Scrivener and it's kind of the power of that platform is, is that it's easy to then convert those into, you know, I think multiple other e-publishing platforms, e-book oh. publishing. Yeah. So it goes right into whatever the, you know, whatever the Kindle format is or whatever the oh. iBooks format is. And I think that's, oh, I that's that. one of the, one of the big pluses of, um, a tool like that. Huh. Are they a sponsor of your, uh, of your podcast? They are not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should be. Maybe you should approach them. It sounds like you're a fan of Scribner. And every, every podcast needs a, an, an embedded advertising. Station right? identification. <laughs> and then the, uh, this message brought to you by Scribner. MailChimp. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, uh, it sounds like you are a writer who kind of leans into procrastination and, and allows for that, um, to assist your creative process. But, uh, do you have any other kind of tips for beating the dreaded procrastination? I need better tools for avoiding procrastination myself. I think that the, the, the scary thing about, um, kind of being into social media. Like I love Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I, you know, I go through stages. Sometimes I'm, I just avoid it very effectively for, um, weeks on end. And then other times I just, I have another thing to tell Twitter. <laughs> this is so stupid. Um, it's, you know, even though it's, it feels really dumb, you know, it feels dumb cumulatively. It's just like, what am I doing? Why? Um, it, it, it does actually kind of get your juices flowing if you feel like it's just like anything like um, I, I imagine having a podcast. It's almost like you kind of develop a, a, a relationship to your imagined listeners in a weird way. Um, uh, and having a column is a little bit like that. Tw Twitter is yeah. a little bit like that. And it's sort of like it's it's as if you're talking to yourself kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, brainstorming your own stuff in a vacuum because I mean, as a writer, and this is like something I think everyone can relate to you, you sit at your desk. I mean, it's, it's pretty seductive to have a portal into accessing other writers and interesting people and smart people and different kinds of people yeah. around the world. Like, I mean, I, I know I'm stating the obvious, but I've been writing from home since 1997. Wow. I was much more of a freak before Twitter. I mean, I, it was because I spent a ton of time, especially when I was, when I didn't have kids, when I was single, I wasn't married. Um, I wasn't dating anyone for a while. I lived in LA and I, um, I was writing my cartoon for, uh, for suck.com every week, but my schedule is pretty, uh, open. And I had, I think I had about two friends in town total, all the people I knew. So, and I spent every day alone and every night alone. It was insane. <laughs> um, I was a very strange shut-in. And I didn't, if I had had Twitter, it would have just been a, just a little voice of like, okay, there are other people out there in the world. I, mean, yeah. I remember walking to the corner store and getting nervous about the way that I said, thank you, as I said, <laughs> change from the guy. So like not interacting with the world at all. Um, yeah. So Twitter, Twitter to me is like a nice water cooler for writers, you know, it's totally. sort of like, I'm doing, wow, I'm going to take a little break, stretch my legs, <laughs> go over to the water cooler, see what everybody's shooting the shit about. And, you know, likewise, it's, it can function in the same kind of 
you know, happy way on a good day and the same kind of like, oh, I hate my coworkers <laughs> way also. And you yeah. walk over there and you're like, oh, everyone's talking about Trump again. It's so boring. Shut yeah. up. No, yeah, that never happens. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I like their procrastination. If it means connecting to other people, it can be good. Same thing with if you're reading, you know, the New York Times or whatever on your computer, it's, it, it's kind of an important part of doing the work of being staying in touch with the world and knowing what's out there and what's happening in the world. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, I need to get more into like, okay, I can do this. You know, it's, it's sort of like you have to make a decision at the start of it. Okay, I'm going to go on Twitter, but I'm, I think I'm going to set an alarm and make sure that I'm not still on here 20 minutes from now. Yeah, that's um, a good tip. Good tip. And also just obviously when on the days when it's like I've got a deadline the next day or a deadline that day, that's when I have to say, okay. You know, I mean, the, the, okay. Bye. This, Bye, deadlines, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, deadlines are a luxury though. Again, I have a lot of deadlines. So it's it's very easy to talk about beating procrastination when you know there's an angry editor that's going to be contacting you. Um, what's <laughs> yeah. much, much harder is you're writing a giant, you know, you're writing a 500-page novel and no one's going to beat your face in if you don't, you know, get get a little bit of it done every day. I mean, I found that incredibly, incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think the best, the best solution to not procrastinate is just kind of like, um, it's like you got to get up and remind yourself why you do what you do almost every day. You have to be yeah. almost religious about, you know, I, and even, especially when you're in kind of like the middle of something that just seems like a slog that you don't even know if it's ever going to turn out well, mm -hmm. there's, it's sort of like you need to access the religion of, uh, I, it's going to, it's going to be fine. It feels like it's terrible now. It's going to be great. I just need to dive in and do it. And also remind yourself, if I get some writing done, I'm going to feel good for the rest of the day. Yeah. You know? Do I want to suffer for the rest of the day or do I want to feel good for the rest of the day? <laughs> yeah. And you, you talk about, you know, writing to rewrite a lot, you know, writing and writing and writing and then paring it down and writing is rewriting. Oh yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow. A DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders, 
And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. I mean, there are things that I write that in one sitting that just come out really well, and I barely change that much, but I do still go and read it. I, I, I will still e- read a piece like that and look f- to edit it at least five times before I turn it in. I mean, I always, you know, go back and, and tweak things over and over and over again. And the more you do that, um, if you trust your instincts editing-wise, which you grow to trust your instincts more and more as you gain more experience, um, you start to love the editing process. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the more faith that you have that edits will eventually get you where you want to be. I mean, I kind of think the thing that separates writers who give up and writers who persevere and write really good things, the only difference is like the total faith in the process and faith that even though it seems like, you know, based on my first draft that I have no thoughts in my head at all and I'm a really dumb human being um, who can barely form a sentence, um, I have these other pieces of writing that somehow magically I finished and I know I can do that again. I know I can pull that off, that trick again. And you know that feeling, it's interesting because you you read other people's writing that's, that's good that you admire and you think, these are people who sit down and write gorgeous, perfect things because they're geniuses. I mean, it's just a natural reaction to great writing. Sure. But this is that, you know, everyone slogs through until they like what they've written. A great writer is usually just someone who knows what isn't great and takes it out. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, and you've talked about the 10,000 hours thing and um, kind of your own journey and process to that, but you know, you, you clearly, after 10,000 hours, you, you know your voice. And I think the editing process becomes definitely more meditative and less judgmental, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm experimenting more right now. So it's a little bit more like, huh, could I get away with this? I mean, I feel like I'm, um, <laughs> I, you know, and I, it, that usually takes a few days. It's like you write mm-hmm. something crazy and then you come back to it and see if, if it sticks. You, yeah, do you love it or is it just insane? And then also, yeah. um, are you in just in a bad mood is a good question to ask yourself because there are times <laughs> when you can, you just hate, you know, sure, you hate everything you've ever written, but you also hate everything other anyone else is writing. You know, there are just days when you just don't like things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, you do, you start to trust your, um, what, what, how did you put it? It's like you you trust your uh, the process and you trust your um, your ability to to tell the difference between good and bad kind of yeah yeah it's that it comes back to that kind of the writer's brain the interior kind of critic and and you know that imposter syndrome that you've talked about I think all writers have that at some point oh yeah maybe not cl- <laughs> maybe not clinically speaking I know that's probably a medical term for something else. I, I don't know. I think that um, people who write a lot of times, you know, it's interesting because I used to read things. I used to read quotes about writing and, and, and books about writing when I was younger. And I'd always think, 
God, people describe writers in such crazy pathological ways. Like, <laughs> why, you know, why do they think writers are that weird and crazy? You know, and now I read all that stuff and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Perfect. That perfectly. You know, now I feel like I say things like that all the time. <laughs> but people who write are people who want to convince other people about of something, you know, know, at least maybe this is more true for opinion writers and cultural critics and um, nonfiction writers like me and personal essayists. But my feeling is that um, people who write are, are, are are people who, and this is not an original uh, thought, but they're people who uh, can't rest until they're full (laughs) layered, complicated, uh, take on something is clearly communicated, you know, mm-hmm. to so that kind of brain that wants things to be carefully explained with footnotes and asides and parentheticals mm-hmm. uh, is also the kind of brain that, that scrutinizes and interrogates every one of those thoughts and finds it wanting half the time. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you you know, you've got this onboard, self-destruct button <laughs> at all times <laughs> yeah you have to find a workaround for because it's like just yeah. it's part of your it's part of your um your engineering you know that you can't avoid oh god yeah that's so good and i, and I actually do have to say that accepting that that's part of your engineering is actually one of the steps to un, you know understanding and accepting you know, it's one of the steps to having flow as a writer, you know, no, not just knowing, like, of course I sit down, like everyone says it's a struggle. Every page is a struggle. Like tons of writers say that, but deciding for certain that the bad days don't mean that you are not a writer, you know, is incredibly important. It's crucial to just accept once and for all the terrible, terrible, terrible days when you are sure that the reason you're struggling is because, you know, you're not really a writer. Mm-hmm. Those are the days that, you know, I actually recently got up and I thought, I cannot write a thing. I hate everything. <laughs> I went on Twitter and I was like, I can't be on Twitter. I hate everything. I hate everyone. Uh-huh. I tried to, and I, I said, I'll just write this piece. And I picked up a piece I'd already started. Nope, hate this piece. Hate everything about it. Hate the person that ever wrote this. <laughs> and I started. I, I, I opened a blank page and I was like, Nope, don't. I have nothing to offer. Everything. I've already written way too much about everything. No one wants to hear a goddamn word I have to say. Excuse my French. And maybe if I could write in French. <laughs> um, but then, I, you know, and then I just had this clear sense of, but Heather, when you feel hopeless, you always write something great, mm. which is a new feeling. I mean, it's a new experience because I don't, I didn't, it's kind of true of my advice. My advice column kind of made that happen for me somehow. Like mm-hmm. for some reason, when I get a letter that's just, depressingly, um, I had just have no advice for the person. I just don't even know what to say to them. If I, if I commit to it, I just end up writing a really good response. So I actually went to my (laughs) inbox and looked for a letter that was just like, I can't answer this. It's terrible. (laughs) Um, And I found one and I wrote something great and I felt good about it. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's like, 
to, there's almost like a feeling that when you accept that hopelessness is actually the starting point and not the ending point of failure, you know, it's like this, the beginning point of not failing. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the first strains of the victory march is hopelessness. Like that's, you know, this is where it begins. Um, yeah, that's kind of, you, you've touched on it before and some of the other stuff you said, but it's almost like a Buddhist, uh, <laughs> meditation where you're focusing on kind of leaning into the sharp, the sharp stuff yeah, about your yeah. life. And that's, what's going to really propel you to surprise yourself. I think that's very true. It's like you say, you say to yourself, I have nothing to add, you know, <laughs> I am, an, I am just an empty vessel. I do believe that there's some, it's almost like part of being in the zone is being an empty vessel. I mean, a lot of people have written about this too, but as an artist or as a musician or as a, uh, as a, even a, um, like a professional basketball player, um, there's something about, you know, kind of clearing out the noise mm. and just saying, I'm just a vessel almost, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. voices will come to me as if in a dream and sure. propel me forward. Certainly with music, I've often felt that way. Um, mm -hmm. And the more I apply that to writing, the more I just kind of try to clear out my preconception of what I should be doing or if it's good enough, and just enough to hear kind of like what feels true or, you know, mm -hmm. Or it's, it's, it's just like this weird void where something forms out of the void, kind of. Hmm. It sounds kind of vague, I'm sure, and abstract. But, um, but when you, uh, there, for some reason, when you embrace that void, something always seems, something kind of beautiful and amazing always seems to take shape from it. Or just something devastating and dark and terrible. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Sure. Sometimes that's the best stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just speaking with horror, a horror writer on the podcast recently, and he was talking oh. about kind of automatic writing, and, and uh, I couldn't help go back to that. But I do think there is almost an inherent, I don't want to say spirituality, but there's something about that void that inspires yeah, that kind of clarity Creation. of yeah. that clarity of of vision, that clarity yeah, of yeah. thought. Like, holy crap! What did he say about automatic writing? Well, he, I think he was just saying that when he gets into the zone, into the flow, and that he was that he would you know crank out like three thousand words in a kind of a trance state. Yeah. And, you know, that he did most of his best thinking when he was driving, and all the stories would come to him. And you even have to struggle to kind of get them down, at least the story ideas, but then that the automatic writing piece of kind of getting into that flow state, which is a great, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. If yeah. You can kind of open yourself to that, but yeah. kind of what you're that talking weird about. weird how to write piece, this isn't like a horse, a horse, well, it is its own kind of horror story, but <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a horse. But I wrote that whole thing in a, like two hours one morning. And I think it's like 3,000 words long. It's really long. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes, I mean, I will say that there's something about starting on the right foot. Like if you start off and you love your first paragraph a lot, sometimes mm -hmm. that could drive you for, two, you know, a long time. Yeah. Where you're just like driven to make the rest of the piece match the beginning of it because you just hit on something that you're just like, yeah, this is genius. I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's weird to me lately how, though, that feeling of 
oh my God, I'm a genius. I'm brilliant. Cause you know, comes out <laughs> of the feeling of I have nothing. I am nothing, you know, and, like yeah. embracing. I have nothing somehow magically is starting to propel me into this is amazing. You know, <laughs> it's bizarre. I love it. I love it so much. Well, you know, we, we talked a lot, quite a bit about creativity. We haven't necessarily named it creativity. Um, and we're running pretty long, but I mean, do you have any other final thoughts for writers about the creative process? I mean, I think we kind of covered it in not in not in uh, certain uncertain certain terms. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about now. Yeah, well, in uncertain certain terms, kind of sums <laughs> up as well. You know, I think that um, to, I, well, I will say this, and this is probably just very much comes out of my my perspective as an advice columnist and as someone who tries to like look at the big picture, even when someone comes to me with like a pretty specific problem, I always find myself drawn to like trying to find something that will shift their entire perspective on their whole picture, not just the problem at hand. Mm. Um, but I think the one thing that I think is true for most artists in general is that if you're fighting, if you're trying to do something that other people do, not only will that not be motivating enough to actually take it through to its fruition and do it, but you're also always, by definition, um, tr- creating something that doesn't come from the center of you. Mm. And, and, and so the reason that's important also is that if you are, if you're trying, if you're struggling to find what does come from the center of you and it comes out and your response to it is, this is not cool enough. It's not cool. Like these other writers that I love, I need to be more like them. It's not that you don't use tools from other writers and learn from other writers and often even imitate the voice of other writers at times just to kind of get things flowing or who knows, Uh, you know, in the past, I think I've broken free of bad stuck places by reading other writers and admiring them. But if you're trying to be better than you are, than you really are, um, it's hard to get better at writing. I actually think that by only by finding out what the most shameful and embarrassing and terrible gaps in who you are as you see them, the, you know, until you face the most embarrassing part of who you are and take it kind of out into the open and show Mm. it to other people, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to be a a true artist. I mean, if I dare Mm. use that word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And once you do that, once you say, you know, I am drawn to this kind of image because of this, you know, thing that not many people would like about me. I'm drawn to this kind of thing that maybe not everyone would appreciate in a book mm-hmm. um, because I'm weak in this way or I'm bad in this way. All the things that make you feel, all the things that you're embarrassed about are probably very close to the exact thing that you have to offer as an artist. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the more that you that you are drawn to letting those things out into the open air and letting other people see them, the more the flow 
just kind of opens up and suddenly, okay, as in, just to make it more concrete, I tried to write opinionated, thinky things for my whole life. But they were always kind of about psychology and kind of about emotions all the way along. But I was always kind of trying to package things in ways that made um, them palatable to smart people, you know? Yeah. And when I finally realized that I've been fighting writing about emotional things for 15 years when really, I, what am I concerned with? What do I care about? What am I most embarrassed about? I'm the most just fixated and obsessed with emotions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when I finally let that go, suddenly I had these overdeveloped, thinky, you know, intellectual, weird muscles of like <laughs> rhetoric and, you know, criticism and all this stuff. But I was able to apply them to something that I'd had all along, which was an affinity for just, you know, self-discovery and psychology and, and, and delving into like what makes people feel happy to be alive and what makes people dread waking up in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, so I think... There is some breakthrough point. And if you're lucky as a writer, you'll hit the point way before I did. But I do think there's a point where you realize, wow, the exact thing that I'm most afraid of being is exactly what I should be, mm. you know? Wow, yeah. So that was a little bit long-winded. I'm also afraid of being long-winded. And <laughs> I've leaned into that too, obviously. <laughs> Lean into it. That's great. Well, I mean, <laughs> it really comes out in your writing in the book, uh, how to be a person in the world, ask Polly's guide through the paradoxes of modern life. It comes out loud and clear in there. And that's why it's such a, a great read. So, uh, Thank you. I'm, I'm, that's really nice of you to say. It's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's a, as you put it, a strange slice of madness, but, uh, it covers all these diverse topics and it's, it's a good one. So listeners should definitely seek it out and find it, pre-order it or order it if you're, if you're catching up with us later. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Um, There's well, a lot cool. of stuff about writing and, and, yes. and in, the, in the book, actually. There's a whole section. Yes, of yes. And uh, uh, lots of fun. Lots of other good stuff, too. So... Um, I guess we could, could wrap up there. Do you, did you want to sh send a shout out to any other uh, authors or, or uh, friends out there that we should read? Um, let's see. What am I reading these days? I am. Oh God. I just, it's like my mind floods with so many different things that I just don't, but it's all like, I don't know. I, I've been reviewing too, books too much. So I, my, my pile is like the books I need to review and not things <laughs> that I, you know, I'm not to like to actively choosing the stuff I want to read enough yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, my favorite writers of all time, Joan Didion, David Foster Wallace. I mean, they're all kind of like the ones that, you know, I love John Updike too, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I, I love Megan Dom. She's a friend of mine. So I don't know if I, if I should say that to admit that, you know, 
to have made your friends with another writer. Well, I'm plugging my friend, you know, I'm just giving my friend a pat on the back, but she's just, I mean, there aren't that many, there aren't that many really thoughtful, smart, amazing writers of nonfiction who just take care in every sentence. Megan Mm. is just, she's just a beautiful writer. Um, And I, and she's so kind of, ornery on the page in ways that I love. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I know I don't, don't include all this, uh, stuff. <laughs> Toby, we're leaving it. <laughs> <laughs> Where I can't think of any writers. I, you know, I, I, I really do have my head up my own ass right now. I'm like so much work that I just like, can't even think about anyone but my stupid self. It's bad. Well, I think you just, uh, you did delve into so much good advice for, for fellow writers. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to rap with me about your process. Where can fellow scribes connect with you out there? Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm at H Haverleski. I don't know if you want me to spell that out. <laughs> I'll put it um, in the notes. It's in the yeah, show notes, it's, folks. It's easy to find me on where where my advice column is on the cut. Uh, if you look, just it's thecut.com. Pretty easy to find. Um, Heather Haverleski, Ask Polly, and my Twitter uh, stuff is there. And I also have a. I mean, you know, I'm kind of all over the place. If you <laughs> if you search on my name, <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of you know. It's like like this is all I do. I have <laughs> I have 500 Heather Haverleski tabs open right now. Oh God, I'm just flipping. I'm sorry. No, it's all good stuff. <laughs> it's I mean, you know, it's amazing how much you can create if you just cut yourself off from the world forever and you're obsessed. <laughs> never stop. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, Twitter's the easiest way to reach me, definitely. I'm, I'm on sure. there a lot. And, yeah. sure. well, and it's a great place for writers to be. I think it's easy to find interesting. I find interesting new writers on Twitter all the time. It's yeah. just awesome. I love Twitter too. And uh, you can hook up with me there. Um, and uh, do, you use, do you use, uh, tw- uh, what is it, tw- TweetBot? Not TweetBot. Um, uh-uh. tw- oh, what am I thinking? TweetDeck. Do you use no, TweetDeck? No, I don't. How do you keep I've always wondered about those things. What is a what is TweetDeck? What's the what's good about it? Um, I think that the main thing about TweetDeck is you can just organize different lists into columns. So you're seeing oh. you're seeing more than one kind of you know stream of of random. So so do you put do you put other people's lists in the columns or is it just your lists in order to organize? You can you can you can do any you can put a person in a list. Uh, you can put like your notifications or. Uh, your own stuff in a list to just kind of keep track of things. I think I have like eight lists uh, oh, or, cool. or sorry, eight to, columns. And then you I can just kind of spin through. I more of an organizing uh, device for that, that world. Yeah. Because I tend to just sort of, I mean, I kind of like the feeling of just slogging through everyone, um, <laughs> but I do follow a ton of people and I, I, I probably need to um, yeah. s- sift a little bit more effectively. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you, if you kind of put people in the list and you can put the list in the columns and then you can kind of like, I've got one for writing and creativity, which you can see oh, uh, uh-huh. it's open to the public. And then I've got one for the podcast and oh, one, cool. one, one that's just like news stuff. So yeah, I'll check it out. Tweet that. Check it out. Check it out. Your, um, I'll find you on Twitter. I'm I, at, I, I'm I, at I, Kelton Reed and uh, I'm tweeting you now. Okay, good. <laughs> 
All right. right now, I can tell. <laughs> can you hear me typing? <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, thank you so much. And uh, one last plug for the book. It is a really fun one, How to Be a Person in the World by Heather Averleski. Thank you so much. Kelton, thank you so much for having me on. It was really fun to talk to you. I had a great time. Awesome. It was really great. I, I keep up the good work and, and uh, yeah, I'll definitely tune in to hear um, other writers tell, tell their far less neurotic uh, and <laughs> less angry and, and conflicted tales of the process. Tales of the process. And you yeah. know what? They're all neurotic, which is the best part. <laughs> makes me feel so much better about myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very comfort. It's very soothing. It's like the, the, the most soothing thing. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. Sure. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and feel free to leave any comments or questions for us at writerfiles.fm. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Also, if you're looking for smarter ways to create and sell profitable digital goods and services, Tune in to hosts Brian Clark and Jared Morris on The Digital Entrepreneur, a show right here on Rainmaker FM, where you'll find the strategies and insights you need to start building your digital business the right way. Find that show at digitalentrepreneur.fm. That's digitalentrepreneur.fm. Cheers. Talk to you next week.